Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kelly EYS. I am a compulsive overeater and bulimic, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm not sure if I said that right. Anyway, so today is Friday, May 14, 2020, and today we're in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 157. We're on the first paragraph two days later. And we are reading and commenting on just that one paragraph. So today's readers are 12 Steps, Wiley L, 12 Traditions, Betty W, and the readers of our text will be Harlan G, Susan H, and Katie T. Our newcomer greeter is Mary Beth S, and our second hour host will be Lisa H. So the reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, May 14th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 14624. 14624. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 14626. 14626. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps to OA, of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I will now have Wiley L. read our 12 steps. Good morning, Wiley. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Wiley L. I'm a compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic, calling in from Vermont. Here are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thanks, Wiley. And now Betty W. will read our 12 traditions. Good morning, Betty. 
Good morning. How are you uh, again? And um, thank you for again for leading the meeting. And this is Betty W. calling in from Fayetteville, New York, a suburb of Syracuse. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never to be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to be of service, and with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Betty W., for your service. And this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We will read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes, and I'll say time when it's up. So singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, you'll just press star one to unmute. And once you're, do, once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. All right, so today we are going to be resuming our study in the big book. We're on page 157. We're on the first paragraph there that says two days later. We're just going to be reading and commenting on that one short paragraph. And Harlan G. is going to get us started. Good morning, Harlan. (laughs) Good morning, Mm -hmm. Kelly, and thank you so much for your service. And thank you to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Two days later, a future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous stared glassily at the strangers beside his bed. Who are you fellas, and why this private room? 
I was always in a ward before. Now, let's take a look at some of these timelines and let's answer a question that always comes up. It, the question that always comes up is, where in the big book does it say you work the, the steps quickly? Well, if we do a little research, we find that the American Medical Association Convention in Atlantic City, New Jersey in 1935 did not end on the 10th of June, 1935. Dr. Bob got a little screwed up there. He got a little fubbrittled. It ended on the 17th. You can Google that yourself, American Medical Association Convention, 1935. So Dr. Bob's first day of sobriety really was the 17th of June, not the 10th of June. This is the 25th of June, 1935. So eight days after he gets sober, he is out the door sponsoring, doing service. Notice that Bill Dotson, Alcoholics number three, two days later, they had called on him. They, or they didn't call on him, excuse me. They found out about him, and two days after he got sober, they were calling upon him to get him introduced to the program. Not two weeks, not two months. And he says, why this private room? I was always in a ward before. There was a double meaning, a double purpose that God had for the private room. Number one, it gave them an opportunity to speak very confidentially to him. But number two, being in a private ward was very frightening and sobering to Bill Dodson because it may have meant that he was dying. And what we're going to see, because that's what they did when you were dying, they put you in the private room. In this case, it was the beginning of life. What we're going to see is that they are going to use what Dr. Silkworth had talked to Bill about. He said, don't talk to them about the spiritual stuff until you tell them what I told you about the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind. And over next week, we're going to see how Dr. Bob and Bill Dotson on this day, this this two days later, they're going to use this time to tell them their stories. They're going to use this time to inform them about their alcoholism. And then the third day, he is going to work through the steps. He is going to do it. And what we're going to find on the next page is on the third day, he gave his life and care and direction to his creator, which means he's working through the rest of the steps. He never was to drink again. And he is Bill Dotson, alcoholics number three, and he will die in 1954, never, ever to have consumed alcohol again during his life. And what the lesson here is, we take time, please. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Good. Share. Thank you so much. Good to wrap up. Okay. So while we do value your opinion or your opinion, your experience, we value your experience really. Um, we do ask that you limit your share to every third day. So um, I'm now opening up the paragraph for who would like to share on that if you haven't shared in the last three days. Lisa B. Amy G. Lisa B. Amy G. Susan H. Susan H. 
Michelle G. Michelle G. Meg D. Meg D. All right. Well, how about we just stop there? So here's the lineup for our first lineup. Lisa B., Amy G., Susan H., Michelle G., and Meg D. Make sure you're uh, muted by pressing star one. We'll get started with Lisa B. Hey, Lisa. Good morning, Kelly EYS. <laughs> um, <laughs> my name is Lisa B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I do spell my name L-E-S-A. Um, you know, at first, this reading, I would think, wow, what could there be there? But my heart just jumped with excitement because what it reminds me of is the day I introduced myself as a newcomer to this OA meeting on the line here that we're on now, my life totally changed. My life changed. And that's what happened to him. You know, he's in this room and his life is going to change because he's going to hear a solution, a remedy that's really going to work if he works it. And that's what happened when I introduced myself as a newcomer, um, I had no idea that my life was going to change, that the answer to all my problems was really going to be presented to me through um, recovered voices. And I received about 25 phone calls, people welcoming me, and that doesn't even count the texts that I received. And it was really overwhelming and kind of exhausting. But you have to remember, I wasn't recovered. I was in the spiritual malady. I was overwhelmed emotionally, mentally, physically because I was an untreated compulsive overeater and I had been for many, many years and I didn't believe it was possible to recover from this illness and one of the people that called me was to become the guide that was to take me through this work and I remember saying to her, you know, who are you fellows? Who are you people? Who are you that are calling me? I couldn't believe the generosity and there were all different styles of voices and people that were presenting things to me and some of them I gravitated towards and some I didn't, you know, but the one voice that I did gravitate towards became my sponsor, became my guide and she shared with me her experience and I could see in so many ways that she was like me, but yet she wasn't like me anymore because she had a solution. I could tell it worked and I wanted what she had. So I'm so grateful for that day that I introduced myself. And I think about the people now that I call and welcome, um, they are future fellows, you know, they're future friends, they're future co-fellows that can walk with me. And, um, often trailing behind me, but I can turn and reach behind and extend my hand and and share with them the way it was shared with me. So I'm so grateful to be here and to be in this solution with that I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. All right, next up, Amy G, followed by Susan H. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everyone, for this meeting. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. So future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous, what I love about this paragraph is that we already know the end of the story. This is a future fellow. And, and gratefully, now we know the history because Harlan just told us this guy didn't take another drink till, the, till he, he stayed sober for the rest of his life. Future fellow. This is a program that works, and he's telling you right here, this was alcoholics number three. It gives me such hope. And this word glassily, he stared glassily at the strangers beside the bed. I looked up glassily, other synonyms for glassily, 
And it's lifeless, glazed, and emotionless. Oh, and that just tugs at my heart because I not only know where this guy was, I was this guy. To have that idea where I have, I'm going to die of this disease. I have no, have no hope. You know, they talk about the three Ds of the disease, denial, delusion, and defiance. And when you're dying, desperate, and doomed, you come to the program or call it the gift of desperation. And that's where I was. I thought that even OA had failed me and I had failed OA and that I was terminally unique and that I was no longer going to make it in the program. And yet, here we have in one little paragraph an answer, a solution, a happy ending, which says that if we're willing to work this program, we too can recover. I mean, the power of being able to look at a recovered person, I guess here on the line it's to hear the recovery, is I've looked at another person when I was lifeless, glazed, and emotionless, and I stood in front of that person who was recovered, and I saw what was in their eyes. I didn't see what they looked like. I saw peace and serenity and recovery in their eyes, and I wanted that more than anything else. The power of being recovered and being able to carry this message of death and weight is really does have the power to be the vehicle, in my opinion, God's vehicle to transform lives. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Amy G. All right, next up, Susan H., followed by Michelle G. Hey, Susan. Good morning. This is Susan H. I'm a recovered compulsive overreader in Ohio and very grateful today. Yeah, this paragraph did strike me as kind of a stumper. I wasn't sure what I had to say about it, but it's, it is all about the beginning, uh, all about the end of the <laughs> of of the alcoholism, um, you know, the recovery from it. He's just beginning his journey, and yeah, I I I, I was there in desperation and in helplessness, in in yeah, I was powerless, and I am so glad for the beginning of this journey and the guides that I have found. And, uh, yeah, I, I really don't have a lot to say about it, but it just reminds me of the beginning of a journey that, that doesn't end. So um, may I learn something today? Because it seems like every day there's something I need to revisit or I need to learn. And... Uh, yeah, may I be open for that today? And I pass. Well, thank you, Susan H. Okay, next up, Michelle G., followed by Meg D. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. It's Michelle G. from Boston. Hi, Kelly. Um, Hi. So, um, I, I'm thinking about... Um, in working with others where it tells us that um that a prospect might be more um open to to being or we might have better luck with a prospect if um they're just fresh out of a binge and um so yeah we see that two days here he's he's um had a spin dry and he's looking glassily at the strangers and and I see that you know um as a recovered alcoholic but also um um 
as I work with other, like being on both sides of that, being, you know, new and um, being glassy eyed and being fresh out of a binge, but also working with newcomers where, um, where uh, like their, their desperate need for help and they're just, they're just dry enough to be able to work with. Um, they are, um, they're in that desperate place where um, they're willing to accept some help, and, and so I can see the picture of them sitting there. And I'm also I've been I've been reading a lot about um, Dr. Bob recently, and I'm just I'm just I think I've just been so inspired with you know with this lockdown and and you know looking back at these guys that are just so hungry to work with other people to keep themselves sober and. Um, and just the purity of it. And it's just, it's so God driven. And in the last couple of days, we've been reading about like, who knows when God is going to put opportunities in our path and when it's time for a person to, you know, hear the message and for us to jump on it. And, um, and here it was presented and, uh, and they, and they were there and they were waiting and they were willing to do service and to help themselves and to help this other guy. And, um, and there was one other thing I know um, that the, the first reader was saying um, that the private room and what that might've meant then. And I think of a private room as, as something that, and I could be all wet here, but um, private room is something special. And, and I think of the, you know, how, how much of a, how dark and how dirty I felt when I was first, um, either sober or abstinent and, and, um, that I didn't feel like I, I deserved anything, um, special or even to be put on a human plane. And here are these, these two guys looking at him, like, um, he was a human being and that's just something really special just right there. And, um, it's like opening up the hand and the heart of, and the spirit of what this is all about. So yeah, a little paragraph, but, um, pretty, pretty beautiful and poignant. Thank you, and I'll pass with that. Thank you, Michelle G. And next up is Meg D., and then we'll be having more. Could you tell me where we're at in the book? Yes. I was just going to do that. We're on page 157, first paragraph. Thank you. All right, Meg D., you're up. Uh Thank you, Kelly. This is Meg D. Take off speaker. This is Meg D. I'm in beautiful but rainy Rhode Island today. Um, glassy-eyed, when I had that phrase, glassy-eyed, that reminds me of being so unfocused and bewildered. When I first came into OA, I was just feeling so desperate and just really didn't know what to do at all. And this is two days later, not right away, when I approach newcomers, it's it's I have to remind myself that, hey, they're not going to necessarily get this right away. For them, there is that kind of detox period that you do have to make it through the detox. And for me, that feeling of here I am again, where are all the places I looked before? This man was not even looking then, and yet two people came to help. And for me, when I came into OA, so many people offered to help and were willing to talk to me, to help me, to guide me through. And they went together. Today, when I sponsor, I have my own sponsor. It's not me by myself going out to talk to someone, to talk to a newcomer, to guide someone. There are many people 
back then they only had two, but for us there's many people. So if I'm sponsoring someone and I have a question or I'm not sure how to approach it, I can talk to other folks. I can get help with that. Other people can give me some advice and we can work together. And um, sponsoring, for me, it reminds me of me again being a beginner. So here's Dr. Bob already back talking to someone else who's new and just starting out and doesn't know what to do. Um, So I really appreciate it. And that phrase, who are you fellows? I just love that because when you first come in a meeting, when you're first even on a vision, who are you people? When I came to OA, there were actually a few people that I knew through another fellowship and yet here they were and who are they? They're so happy in this abstinence. They're just doing this happily, giving up the extra binge foods and all of that, and they're doing it in a happy way. And that's what I found attractive and what I wanted and what brought me to the fellowship. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Meg D, for your share. Okay. So, uh, in case you want to know, don't remember, didn't hear, I'm on page, we are on page 157 in the big book, first paragraph, two days later. Again, we do value your experience. However, we're asking if you have shared in the last three days to step back and let other people's voices be heard. So, who would like to share on the paragraph that was just read? Linda D. Diana Linda D. Diana S. Cynthia C. Pete B. Pete B. Linda D. I got Heidi you, Linda L. D. You're first. Yeah. Heidi oh. L. Vinny T. N. Vinny T. Who is M? Edie N. Oh, Edie B. Gotcha. Let's stop there, guys. All right, so if everybody will press star one, make sure you're muted. We'll get started with Linda D. followed by Diana S. Hey, Linda. Hey, Kelly. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. from Meriden, Connecticut, right in the center of Connecticut. Um, Wow. I didn't think there was anything there in the reading um, for me, and there's a lot. Thank you to everybody. Um, I think the thing is this. I've been in OA since November of 1982. We started with the big book, and then the meetings disappeared. And I clung to OA. As they disappeared, I clung and clung for years. And I got whatever I could out of it. I certainly got a higher power. But um, it was very thready. I think that would be the word, because of circumstances, really. And the information was not as um, well disseminated as it is now. So it was many years later, and I've been in OA all these years, almost all of the time, with of uh, many periods of um, understanding and many periods of not. The thing of it is then uh, a higher power got me to visions. And once uh, you all called me, and I've been in... Um, envisions for and of course it is OA it's just a, an OA meeting that 
knows what the hell is going on. Um, maybe that wasn't the way to say it. It's a wonderful OA meeting. Okay, but the point is that um, people called. And you would have thought I was a little lost cat in the bushes because I hid. Thank you to anybody who remembers calling Linda D. in Connecticut. I didn't. I thought, my God, they're, who are they? Thank you so much for calling. I did stay and listen and listen and listen and do what you told me to do. I did have a sponsor. God bless her. She's fantastic. Schooled in the big book. And all of this works. Isn't that just amazing? And this really is the renaissance, the rebirth. And there may be many other meetings that are like visions. But I know this one. And this one, the techniques, the information, the soul of this meeting. It works. This program works. Because God is real. Woo! Who knew that? I was an atheist, so, wow. I had to be called out of the bushes. And I was. Thank you. I pass. Well, thank you so much, Linda D. All right, next up, Diana S., followed by Cynthia C. Good morning, Diana. Good morning. This is Diana S. in Arkansas. Thank you so much for a beautiful meeting. Um, I just love how this sentence starts with with so much hope, a future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, So, you know, here they're describing a man who, you know, has really given up hope and he's about to hear a message of hope. So it's just what he needed, you know, just what he needed to hear. And and when I came in to Vision for You, um, my second time, because the first time that I came in here, I was not ready to hear the message that everyone was carrying on this line. I was very angry and very um, skeptical and um, just very judgmental with all the things that everyone was saying. And, you know, I was just in complete denial of you know, thinking things like it, it's really not that bad. Like the way everyone was describing it, I just thought it was a huge exaggeration, you know. Um, but I had to be humbled. And so I, I ran on self-will probably um, a year and a half or so before I could actually come back to vision and listen to what the message you guys were carrying. And wow, um you know, God, God had a plan for me. He, he definitely did because this time, you know, I was able to listen and this time I was so humbled that I related to each and every one of you that, that had to share because all of you knew what it was like to be in that darkness, that, you know, low pit of, of just the bottom of, of the compulsive eating disease and you also knew that there was hope and and you were living in hope and I was finally able to listen and I'm just so thankful and I'm excited to hear the rest of this story because um, it's promising, you know, it's already letting us know that this is a future fellow uh, or was a future or, you know, was an actual fellow um, where he hit a bottom but he he came out of that um, 
just like the rest of you on this line. And, and so I'm just so glad that I can hold hands with you and trudge together. Um, so thankful, so thankful. Thank you, God. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Diana. All right, next up, Cynthia C., followed by PB. Good morning, Cynthia. Good morning. Uh, this is Cynthia C. May I be heard? Yep. Great. Thank you so much. Cynthia C., recovery compulsive over eater and food addict in Newton, Massachusetts. I am so grateful to moderator and to everybody who makes this meeting possible today and every day. Um, when I came back into OA, I was in a 20-year relapse. And I was, I was a hot mess. I was glassy-eyed. I was miserable. I just, I was just a hot, hot, hot mess. And I felt like every aspect of my life was in turmoil and in crisis. I just was not functioning well at all. Um, you know, I was couldn't stop eating, and I was hungry, and I felt like a huge victim and, and just everything was, was bad, you know, and uh, well, maybe not everything, but a lot. And, um, you know, and I, and I can remember what this, what this passage sort of reminds me of from my own life is, you know, a coming to meetings and, um, you know, and I, and I, and I found a local, I found some local meetings nearby and, and people were reaching out, but I remember like very, very quickly, I knew from my experience in AA that I needed a big book meeting. And so within a week or earlier, I, I found this meeting, A Vision for You. And as soon as I started hearing people speak, I knew I had hit the jackpot. I knew that, this, that there were messages of recovery here. And I, think, and I think this passage also reminds me, I mean, A, you know, just having people who identified in with me, having people I identified in with, having people tell my story over and over again in meetings and qualifications where I heard myself there. And I knew that I was not alone. I knew that other people felt as crazy around food and around emotions and around dealing with issues as I did. And it was such a relief to remember once again that I was not alone, you know, and and also that that fear, um, that red sense of wanting to trust people. Here were all these people offering to sponsor me or to reaching out to me, you know, and I knew I needed to make outreach calls and call other people, but like, who are you? I don't know who you are, you know? How do I trust you? How do I know? And just really being gifted that, you know, that, that my higher power brought me just, you know, the right sponsor, the person who was like a good connection for me and, and other sisters and fellows and program who, you know, who I could talk to, who were there for me, who I'm there for, you know, I'm in a, um, in a, I'm in a 10 step group so that if I need to do a 10 step, I can put a note out and someone responds or I can respond to somebody else. I, you know, that we're, we're not alone. Um, I think that was just the biggest thing when I came back to program to hear that I was not alone, that I'm not the only crazy person feeling this way. And I have to tell you, during this pandemic, I, I was sort of handling things pretty well. In the last few weeks, um, I'm, you know, emotionally, I'm struggling. We've had a lot of, we've had losses in our family. Um, Time, please. A, like, I'm just, I'm grateful that I have this program that has 12 steps that guide me through this time. So thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks, Cynthia. 
All right, next up, Pete B, followed by Heidi L. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks for calling on your name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy in Pennsylvania. And it's interesting in the two paragraphs, you know, it brings up the private room and, and you know, a lot of the uh, shares on both yesterday and today all talked a lot about the private room, right? And, you know, when, when I think about that, I think about my, you know, I think about this situation here, right? And, and, and what it says in working with others on page 91, it says, see your man alone, right? So like, when you think about what's going on here, right? So Dr. Bob in Akron, he's a practicing physician, that sees patients and works on patients in this hospital, right? And in and, and working with others, says, tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences to encourage him to speak of himself, right? So this, the, the private room has as much to do with, with this number three as it does with Dr. Bob and Bill because what they're going down to talk to him about is not about his drinking, Primarily, they're going down there to tell them to tell this number three about their drinking, just like Bill did to Bob, right? Bill, the difference between when Bill showed up to talk to Dr. Bob was that Bill showed up and talked to Dr. Bob about Bill's drinking, right? So these two fellows now are going into this hospital and they need privacy because they're going to talk about some of the deepest, darkest, nastiest things they did to this person so that this person can then start to relate to that experience, right? So, so you know, this whole private room thing, right, it, it, it has as much to do with the prospect as it does about the people delivering the message. Because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to call into my work and say, you know, if somebody says this, somebody has a problem, I wouldn't want to do that in, in the middle of the cafeteria with everybody running around hearing what I had to say, right? This is a sensitive subject that required privacy and it is still remains a sensitive sub regardless of how comfortable we are with our recovery right you know we're going to share some things that we that 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 may be that may be sensitive to others listening in right so you know i i i like to think of i like to think that that bill and bob in this position are reaching out to the newcomer because they acknowledge that they have to do this in order to stay sober themselves and it's going to require special circumstances. But they're not going down there to deliver the message of hope to this person. They're not, the intent of this meeting is to deliver the message of hopelessness that this condition requires, right? This is a hopeless, fatal condition. It only gets worse, never better. And, and, we, and we, have to, we have to make sure that the sufferer understands that there is no treatment for this condition, that there is no cure for this condition. They are, they are doomed, like I was doomed. And with that, I can surrender and move forward with the rest of the program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, PB. All right, Heidi L., you're up next, then followed by Vinny T. Hey, Heidi. Good morning. This is Heidi L. from Toronto, Canada. This is my first time sharing on this line, and I just want you all to know that I am very, very grateful to you all. And when I've been listening for about a month or so, and um, the thing that occurs to me during this pandemic is that I've been busy watching everybody else on what they are all accomplishing. And it just occurred to me this morning, listening to all of you, that what I've accomplished, with God's help, is that I've been abstinent the whole time. And I, um, I was, I, I'm coming out of about of a sort of a, I don't know, very slippery 
six months, ten months, one year, two year, I don't even know how long it was, relapse. Um, but my food is clean. And I am so grateful to all of you for me uh, to be able to start my day in this way. And I just wanted to share and say good morning and thank you. Pass. Well, welcome to the line, Heidi. It's always good to hear new voices. All right, so next up we have Vinny T. followed by Irene M. Hey, Vinny. Good morning. This is Vinny T. Am I being heard? You are. Uh, thank you. Um, Vinny T. recovered in North Carolina. Um, I'm, I'm getting close to my two-year abstinence anniversary, and um, I, I love this because I feel every morning like that man in the room. When I wake up, I I look at myself in the mirror and I ask myself, "Who are you?" You know, it's like two years, and and I'm still, you know feeling that that sort of pink cloud feeling that I don't recognize myself sometimes, you know, and and I wake up every morning, you know, it's it's like a miracle, you know, that um I I'm, you know, confident and and uh you know, happy with with my life and uh, I mean I'm full of life and and you know, joyous and free and you know, just very grateful uh, for this whole program, for all of you, you know, for, for for the first 100, you know, everybody who's been through this um, and, and is going through this, it is a continual journey and one that, you know, I, I'm really happy to be on, um, getting out of that bed and uh, getting into life and living it and sharing it with others. Thank you, I pass. Can you please tell us Thank what you we read this morning? Yes, it is on page 157, first paragraph, two days later. Thank All you. right, thank you, Vinny T., for share your share. And next up is Adini N. Good morning, everybody. This is Adini N. from Queens, New York. I am uh, very grateful on the lot to be on the line today and relate so much to what others have said. Um, I just celebrated a year in program. I stepped into my first OA meeting in May of uh, last year. And I was floundering a little bit, um, not knowing how to do 90 and 90 um, because there weren't as many in-person meetings um, in my area. And so I started to look for phone meetings. And... Uh, that was a really challenging um, experience, but I did announce myself as a newcomer. And as a result of that, I received some phone calls. And one of them um, helped me understand that the meetings that I was attending were not healthy meetings. There wasn't a strong conception of abstinence. Um, it was really difficult to identify in. And luckily, um, this fellow... Uh, also introduced me to this line, A Vision for You, which I've been able to really dig into. Um, for me, this is the private room. My meetings with my sponsor are the private room. And I'm very grateful to be able to now offer that the support that's been given me to other fellows. Um, I'm hoping to announce myself on the line later as uh, an available sponsor for the first time. And I'm just sitting in a lot of gratitude today for um, 
all the voices that I heard in the past year and for the consistency in uh, delivering the message of recovery. So um, I just also, I, I'm listed as Irene N in our directory. Um, and I don't know how to correct that, but my name is Irene N and I'm in Queens, New York. Thank you so much, I pass. Well, thank you for your share. Okay, looks like we have some more time. So um, again, we're on uh, page 157, first paragraph, two days later. Uh, we value your experience, but we'd ask you if you've shared in the last three days to step back and let's have some new voices. So who would like to share? Shlomi Hanabi. Toby K. Shlomi. Wait a minute, Shlomi Hana. Is it B as in boy? Yeah. Yes. Okay, who came after Shlomi Hana? Mark L. Nadia. Whoop. Hello. Toby Was it Laura K. L? Mark L. Oh, Mark. What the heck? Mark L. <laughs> Toby K. Okay, who else? Nadia E. Nadia E. In Toronto. Okay. Okay. So far, I have uh, Shlomi, Hana, Mark, Toby, Nadia. Did I miss anybody? All right, well, let's just stop there because I don't know. I'm not going to sit and do the math right now in my head. It's too early. Okay, so let's get started. Everybody, please press star one. Make sure you're muted. We'll get started with Shlomi Hanna and then followed by Mark. Hey, Shlomi Hanna B, you're up. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, thank you so much for your service. Thank you very much. Thank you to the timekeeper. Thank you, every single person on this line. I am so incredibly grateful to all of you. So um, this line makes me think of the principle of anonymity. Um, when he asks, who are you fellows and why this private room? I was always an award before. So award, of course, um, is made up of a number of people. And I imagine that maybe in that time, you know, maybe he was in a, you know, in a large room with lots of beds or, you know, at least, you know, one or two other beds but he wasn't private. And um, Bill W. and Dr. Bob understood the importance of privacy and anonymity. And, um, you know, of course, as our 12th tradition. And, you know, that is something I've always been very, very grateful for in the room. Um, because there are things that I have shared and other people have shared as well that are very, very private. Um, you know, it's not, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not something that we want to sit here and advertise and discuss with the whole world, you know, our compulsive overeating and what we have done in our compulsive overeating, our behaviors, um, how, you know, I don't need the whole world to know, like how I've, you know, binged and binged or when I was in relapse. Um, you know, you could tell I was in relapse because I was gaining a lot of weight, but um, I didn't need the whole world to know that. I just wanted a certain number of people to know who I trusted. And um, I think that in approaching prospect number three this way, um, or AA number three this way, um, it really built up trust. You know, not only in hearing their experience and being able to relate to them, but this man knew that they had gone to the trouble 
of making sure that he was in a private room so that they could work with him privately so that he wouldn't be embarrassed. They protected his anonymity. Um, they, they made sure that he wasn't going to feel shamed. And that in itself can build a lot of trust. And I think that that's one of the things that builds trust in this program is a principle of anonymity. Um, and I'm very, very, very grateful for that. I really am because I know that if it weren't for anonymity, maybe I wouldn't share some of the things that I've shared for sure. And maybe other people for sure wouldn't share some of the things that they've shared. And we need to share those things because that's what helps us get well. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shlomihana. All right, so next up we have Mark L. followed by Toby K. Hey, Mark. My name is Oh, thank you. My name is Mark L. from Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, man, I, I could relate to the bill. I was the same way in, in over the environment. Um, I was in a, a hospital called John City Hospital in, in Farmington, Connecticut. It would like fire us in in treatment, and my my two sponsors usually always come up there and 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 talk to us about over anonymous, and 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 I I said man that is good somebody is willing to come up there and 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 tell their their story about themselves, uh, and 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 I did, and they told me. Uh, when you get out of here, you could come to an OA meeting. And I definitely did. When I got out, I went up to uh, a meeting where they go to and other ones too. And, and it felt good. And I, I love it. And, and for that, man, I've been in for a very long time. And I think I'm going to stay here for a, a little more time inside this other OA anonymous. I thank y'all. I love y'all today, and have a blessed day. I pass. Well, thank you so much, Mark L. All right, Toby K., then followed by Nadia E. Good morning, Toby. Hi, it's Toby K. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Um, so I was also, I was looking at um, a private ward, and uh, also, like has been mentioned, and um, I always thought of myself as a victim. And I don't deserve a private ward. I'm just um, a lowly nothing. But once I get the, uh, the sponsors and the people in this program, they don't treat you like you're a nothing and a victim. They raise you up and they put you in a private ward because you're important. And being a victim, I found out, I discovered, is just being selfish and being um, centered on myself. So they taught me about fellowship, and there are other people here just like you, and we want to be a, of help and of service. And uh, thank you for letting me share. I well, thank you, Toby Kay. Thank you. All right, next up, Nadia E., and it looks like we'll have time for another share or two. So, Nadia, go ahead. Good morning, family. It's Nadia E. in Toronto, Canada, and I'm so grateful for this meeting, so grateful for all the shares and how we go through 
slowly, you know, like just passage by passage and um, learning so much about the history of, um, of, of AA and how it relates to me today. Um, so I thinking about the, the private room, I treasure my privacy. And it's good to know that I can go to my sponsor and um, in both the programs that I'm in, both fellowships, and just share all my, my crap, you know, like I can just in daily, you know, nightly I do my review and I write stuff down that is so interesting, especially when I do my turnaround. Um, and I think, oh, it's just going to be the same stuff again, right? <laughs> and then I start writing, and, it's, and I'm always taken aback, and I realize, wow, look at my part. I didn't realize that. So, um, you know, the, the process of writing and sharing and, um, and having the privacy, having my anonymity protected is, is paramount, um, and I wish everyone a lovely weekend. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Nadia. And I told you guys I can't do math this early. So I have time for a two-minute share. Who would like a two-minute share today? Sherry KB. All right. You're up, Sherry. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everybody. It's Sherry KB in Northern California. A very grateful recovery compulsive reader. Thanks so much for your service, Kelly, and everybody on the line and Team Friday. I'm going to come from a totally different thing. I've heard everybody, and this was great to hear this. But what I think of when it says two days later, um, they came down to his room. And what I, I have done, like a lot of people say, well, how many days do I need to have the food down before I can do the work? And I tell them 48 hours, and that's exactly where I get this line from, is two days later. And um, so some people think it ought to be three or whatever, but for me, I tell them 48 hours and call me when you've got the food down because you can't hear anything in this book unless you're willing to be absent and have some clarity around the food. And so that's what I want to share. And thanks for your service, Kelly, and I pass. Thank you. Well, anybody want to take a quick minute share? Barbara D. Go, Barbara. You're up. Hi, I'm Barbara D., a recovered compulsive reader from New York. And I have to say, it's the first time I'm speaking on this line, and I'm just so honored to be with all of you. Um, this paragraph has such meaning for me because I relate so much to the private room. You know, the private room to me represents all of the work I've done with the big book, with my sponsor, with all of you in my quiet time. Every morning I have my quiet room where I pray to God, my food, I listen to this beautiful meeting, and I connect with others. And I'm so grateful to have a vision for you because it literally helped me recover. And I'm just so grateful. You are all amazing people. And I really feel like I have this huge tribe, this huge family, and I just uh, want to wish you all a beautiful day. Well, welcome to the line, Barbara. Again, it's always good to hear new voices. So, all right, well, with that, we'll wrap up um, our meeting. So let's see. Um, thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. So the share ID for today, Friday, May 15th, 
is 14631. Somebody's not uh, muted, so please press star one if you've muted, uh, shared lately. Okay, so the, again, the reference code for today is 14631. All right, so we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Susan H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks for the opportunity to serve here. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.